am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word. It's the Ashes Daily. It's the fifth test. Day one at the Oval. The final stanza. Uh, evening is falling. Adam Collins is with me. We're standing on the grass of the Oval. We've got our shoes off. We're earthing. We're feeling the vibe of the earth. The pavilion is lit up like a fairy kingdom. And we've had a, a, a day of play in which a lot happened. And Adam, you're going to tell us about it for Seabus Super, the industry super fund hitting your time for seabussuper.com.au. You're going to tell us about it in 30 seconds or less. It was a very Oval day. We see a lot of weird days here. 271 for 8 by the time stumps were called after 82 overs why did Australia not bowl 90 overs in, for another in, day in 6 and a half hours ridiculous they bowled 75 overs by the time they okay let's they... pivot there before we do the 30 seconds yeah, sorry how I just had possible, to interject how is it possible that we still have this as an issue <laughs> I know Mitchell Marsh went off at one stage with cramp but that didn't I mean, take that long that took about 90 seconds and there would have been a number of other things they can point to but this is a plague of the sport every time the MCC or the ICC meet at the annual meetings this is on the yep. minutes and yet 82 overs despite the yep. extra half an hour. I know they can't ban the captain, nor should they, by the way. The Jason Holder <laughs> precedent from earlier this year is yeah. no longer. But but still, I'm grumpy about it. Eight after, two. after the allotted time, after the six hours, they had bowled 75 overs. Yeah, They're it, supposed to bowl 90 in it's getting time. It's getting daft. Anyway, 8 to 30 seconds start now. Uh, they, they put on 27 for the first wicket, the biggest opening stand of the entire Test Series, Ooh. would you believe? They made it to 103 by the time that Rory Burns fell for 47. Stokes and Root were going nicely, but Stokes fell in Root not long after T. Started the collapse of four for 35, thanks to Mitchell Marsh, hooping the ball like Damian Fleming, until Josh Butler biffed 50-something not out by the close. Alongside Jack Leach, the game is nicely poised. What an interesting day. When Tim Payne came out and said, we'll have a bowl, thank Thank you, champion. I think everybody was surprised. Uh, Justin yeah. Langer was surprised. I, I did the little um, oh, st- Stumps interview with him and, and I said, you know, what, what happened there? And he said, oh, look, he was very diplomatic, but he said, we we have to back the captain and, and that's what we've encouraged him to do is to make his decisions and back his judgment. And so, um, you know, we, we can't then complain about it if he decides things that we wouldn't have decided. Yeah, I mean, when I got here, without the benefit of seeing the pitch, not to say that, you know, all we are at best is amateur horticulturists, as I oh, always no say. No one has any idea what a pitch is. But Even cricketers don't know what a pitch Purely on the basis of the overheads. When we first arrived at half past nine, I thought, well, it is very muggy and it's very cloudy, but you can't make a decision based on that. It wasn't that and, muggy. Well, only when I... I mean, yeah. I don't know what time you rolled in, but, but when I rocked up, it was very, very... Muggy. Okay. So you, you can see why that might have been tempting when they were going through their pre-game warm-up and so forth. But the history, the psychology, the mm. fact they bowled on day five at Manchester and the yeah, attack had two of the three same fast bowlers. And even Nathan Liner did a lot of work there and had a split index finger. Which he after has super glued together. Yeah. He's, lot, he's just put super glue in the right. cut. Well, there's a lot of reasons why like <laughs> batting first would have made a lot of sense for mine. But anyway, they elected yeah. to bowl and it looked like it had backfired, especially when... Burns was ticking over with Root. Australia were ropey before lunch. Siddle had his, his probably his worst spell um, of the series before lunch. In, in, indeed, it was his worst spell. Well, of the it series. only lasted a couple of overs. And, and yeah, we had two goes, didn't he? Yeah. They brought him back, and it got little. It didn't get much better. He was better after lunch, but you know they dropped three catches either side of the first break, so they were all Joe Root. One was down at long leg, right where we're standing now, actually, where Peter Siddle put him down. A pretty straightforward chance. Stephen Smith. 
uh, puts him down after. Like, in slipped. between times, it was, it was, it was that pain. pain, wasn't it? Going and I thought that was a slip. compensation for what he didn't do at Absolutely Manchester. Absolutely because there was the one that went between him and Slip at Manchester and everybody roasted him for not going. And yeah. so this time he went and, and it was just right a bit too of far Warner's, away. Right in front of Warner's face. You, yeah. you, you probably don't want the keeper going up like a goalkeeper no. um, with one mitt when, when it's going right at first Slip's as bonds. Sure. Uh, but anyway, that happened. So Root survived and got through to lunch then. See, Burns was ticking over pretty well and he got out to the short ball, which is so disappointing because mm. since that dismissal at Leeds in the first innings, he's not played a horizontal bat shot really. Certainly not to the short ball. He is the triumph at Manchester where he made 80-odd was a, was a triumph of abstinence. The fact that he chose not to play those strokes, but yeah. you know, kind of trying to parry Hazelwood, I think it was, yep. to mid-on, giving him that wicket after Cummins got the initial incision when Denley pushed it when he shouldn't have. I mean, you know, it looks like Australia could get back into it, but really it took until half an hour after tea before they really broke it open. And then it was Mitchell Marsh. So oh, just sorry, I'm missing the stakes. I'm missing one thing before yeah. tea. So, so yeah. to, to give you a sense, it looks like Australia might be in real strife at one point because it's one for 120 odd yeah, after yeah. lunch and you're thinking, oof, they could pile on a big score here. Then Burns gives his wicket away. Stokes comes out and makes 20. And then Mitch Marsh picks him up. I think it's the value of being um, underrated. Like Stokes is going, oh, well, here's the fifth bowler. And he gets a sort of thigh pad high delivery and then just tries to absolutely clobber it out of the ground and instead just pops it up in the air to point. Yeah, that was batsman error. But as I've just been writing then, what needs to be remembered is two balls that Marsh had bowled to Stokes hooped a mile. So yeah. he was probably already thinking that any any. To be fair to Stokes, he played both of those overs back to Marsh. So it was already a good contest underway, and he probably thought that's a looser delivery. I'll have mm. a go at that because Marsh has started that spell quite well. So yeah. credit to the bowler for, for creating that indecision, I suppose. And then after the break, who did Payne throw the ball to? Cummins and Marsh. They always say after an interval, throw the ball to your best bowlers. And Payne backed in Marsh as the fifth bowler. He didn't give it to Siddle, didn't give it to Hazelwood. He gave it to the all-rounder, yep. and he bowled perhaps his best spell in test cricket. It yep. wasn't... His fastest after, after Cummins knocked over Root. And uh, so well, but that was built up by um, yeah. dot ball pressure. So that was the 25th ball of the session and only one run had come from the previous 24, a single off mm. Mitchell Marsh. So Cummins and Marsh dotted them up and then a fantastic ball from Cummins to Root. Yeah. Not exactly the same as the Almost. one at Manchester, but of a similar trajectory. If, if anything, that moved less than the one yeah. at, at Manchester. Root should have got further forward, but, you know, you can. he's obviously yeah. not at the absolute peak of his powers. But he'd spent the entire day playing back and yeah. just working the ball away, and then this one, it's coming in at his stumps, it straightens a touch, knocks off stump over, he's gone, and then... But even at that point, you're thinking they could still build something up, Bairstow's going along all right, and so on. But Marsh is hooping the ball. Now, he swung the ball an average of 2.5 degrees today, that's by far the most in the series by any bowler. And there's another one too in terms of uh, games played at the Oval. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll, let me get this stat right. I think Three bowlers have swung it more on the first day at the Oval. Is that's that it? it. That's it. Three. Booby Kumar, Chris Jordan and Ryan Sidebottom. Spot on. So when you consider they're pretty useful swing yeah. bowlers, Marsh was doing yeah. you know, something equal, roughly equal to what they were doing. It, it gave that point yeah. of difference. And Marsh was doing something different to what his colleagues have been doing. So Anderson and Broad, part of the genius of Anderson is bowling with a scrambled team. And Dan Breddy wrote eloquently about this during the week and the Australians had almost mimicked that coming over here. They'd learnt their lessons from yep. 2015 where they tried to swing the ball too much conventionally and they'd done a great job of swinging it less but seeming it more. But it was a point of difference with Marsh because he was bowling genuine outswing and genuine inswing which it takes something to do. Like not mm. everyone can move the ball in both directions and he was the ball to best though. I mentioned Damien Fleming off the top. It was glorious. Uh, you know, Swinging back in he had no chance to get the bat down in time. Uh, he picked up Curran pushing away from his body which 
again was a product of movement away from the left-hander. I felt it was like that was swinging into Curran. Did I see that wrong? Yeah, well, I mean, I, it was just it was it was a it was a build-up, wasn't it? It looked like it looked like Curran was playing a shot that he would have missed by a mile had the ball gone straight, but it, it yeah. swung in and took his edge. So he yeah. was he was done, you know, because he was probably playing for the outswing and then it came back. Yeah, that, that's right. It was just the indecision, wasn't it? Yeah. And then which is what swing does. Good swing bowling means the batsmen aren't sure whether they're going forward, back, defending, or attacking. You know, the old Ian Chappell metric. You got two decisions to make as a batsman. If you make one of them harder, it makes the whole process considerably mm. more difficult. And the second uh, leg before wicket, which I'm padding for time because I can't Wokes. remember who it was, Chris Wokes, which was an outswinging Yorker. So he's gone the in-swinging Yorker yeah. and the out-swinging Yorker to pick up two pristine wickets. He finishes with four for the day, and I was thrilled for him. I mean, Tim Payne put the acid on Marsh yesterday, saying they want him to be more like Stokes, but what was holding him back, why he was left out of the side, don't often get to hear this sort of stuff, by the way. Payne's good like that. They thought he was overweight. They thought that he couldn't do the job with the ball because he was carrying too many kilos. And they reckon that he spent the last six months trying to prove them all wrong, getting fit as a fiddle so he can bowl longer spells. And lo and behold, I don't think he's ever bowled eight on the bounce in Test Cricket. Mm. I haven't checked that yet, but I'm pretty sure he's never bowled that many overs consecutively for Australia. And he does it with complete control. Yes, he cramped up a bit towards the end of the day and had to go off the field briefly. But credit to Mitchell Marsh for not only being judged on what he does at number six with the bat, mm. that'll come later, but doing the first part yep. of his job, which we so often ignore beautifully. Yeah, well, it was the amount of swing because the, the next most swing in the series was Stokes had 1.7 degrees yep. at Headingley um, and Marsh had 2.5 degrees today. So substantially more. The average across the series has been 0.7, 0.7. So he was, you know, making the ball fly today. And every time Bairstow played a cover drive and missed it against an outswinger, you thought, oh, he's not long for this battle. Yeah. And then the one that gets him is the one that comes in and takes pad before bat. So, it was beautiful uh, cricket. It really yeah. was lovely to watch. And, you yeah. know, you'll probably wake up and think we're taking the you-know-what talking about Mitchell Marsh for yeah, however yeah. many minutes but yeah, just, I mean, just, we're just trolling people by yeah. saying how well he played but I mean you know you've got to say I'm, I'm, you know you've got to say the, the, the way the team responded to him picking up Stokes reflects mm-hmm. the fact that they loved him he wasn't made vice captain on some whim last year they desperately want him to succeed yep. at test level and that's not just Justin Langer by the way it's no. the team they love him they, they, they think of him as a, a really important part of the dressing room culture and they're gutted when he doesn't do well so I think this was really important yeah. today. Um, and yeah, sure, he may not play the first test in the summer, who knows, but it, it was important on the way back yeah. into the side that he made a contribution. I, I think what is uh, equally important or even more important is he has to make some runs in yep. this test. Like, he's got to show that he can actually deserve a spot at six because, you know, you can, you can bowl well, but if you're in the top six... You, you can't afford to, to not make runs. Yeah, so. but I mean, an all-rounder, I mean, if you're playing an all-rounder, you need to accept that you're playing them for two disciplines. I agree. You want yeah. your number six making runs in, in any event. But I think too often we've judged Mitch Marsh purely on that because mm. he doesn't bow enough. Yeah. He just doesn't bow enough. So if he can, uh, you know... I know we've used this yep. argument for Glenn Maxwell before about the runs he might save in the field and how that over a course of a test series can add up to quite an awful lot. The same applies to Marsh. Uh, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be averaging 50 at test level, but no. if he can be a solid contributor like Andrew Flintoff was averaging 30-odd, uh, and, and I mean, you know, 30-odd might not sound like an awful lot, but if he takes a lot of wickets, which is the next stage of his career, can he, can he? We're going to find out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, look, I don't think he needs to be making 100 every other game, but he needs to be making scores, you know, yep. contributing one way or another. So England, 271 for eight at the end. They're not out of it because Joss Butler is still there and we were treated to a highly entertaining stand between Butler and Leach. Jack Leach still there on 10 not out. Butler 64 not out. And after really sort of battling through to about 40 where he was very circumspect and cautious most of the time, then he said time to go and he clobbered Josh Hazelwood for a couple of big straight sixes. Tim Payne started putting the field back again. Butler started taking on the gaps and uh, and 
and it was quite a thrilling last sort of 45 minutes or so of play as, as, as a few boundaries were racked up and the shots were played and the field was found and some singles were taken and some were turned down. Yeah, the old milking of the strike. You don't often see it on day one, but that's what was going on. Uh, they put on 45 unbeaten by the close, I think it is, and the bulk of those, of course, are Butler. As you say, some exciting stroke play, and I think more importantly, it looks like, um, like Butler was enjoying himself uh, after play... I think he spoke to the BBC or he might have spoken to television. Butler was talking about the fact that he hadn't been enjoying batting so far in this series, which again, you know, you get a bit of a peek behind the curtain when players do well. He was explaining why it just wasn't clicking and today coming with the lower order when the expectations were that he just had to go, mm. that made him feel more at ease. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that's a sustainable long-term strategy, but it gives you a sense of how long this summer's been for some of these players, not least Butler. So I think we can say that the Australians sort of pulled it out of the fire because they, they could have backfired horribly putting England in this morning, um, but they haven't quite nailed it yet because if, you know, Butler can stay there and put on another 40 or 50 tomorrow and get over 300, then they might be fairly uncomfortable conceding that sort of lead. So it, it's very much a live match at this point. Yeah, look, if, if England make 330 or 340, I mean, they would have taken that uh, after being sent in, absolutely. It probably uh, will be the sort of score which keeps them into the, in the Test match well into day four and day five, and and then I suppose Australia will get their opportunity via Stephen Smith, and, and we'll see whether he can make a triple ton. The one thing I was most annoyed about bowling first was that yeah. it's unlikely that unless he makes a triple that Australia will be able to get him to 304 across two innings, because yeah, exactly. if he makes a big double, it probably means that Australia Australia aren't chasing that many in the fourth inning. Yeah. So, you know, from our purely um, statistical yep. viewpoint, we, we wanted Australia to bat. But, you know, such is life. I share that view. Also, his average in the first innings, I think, is 96. Yeah. Um, and his average in the second innings is 60-odd, and, and then it, it goes <laughs> down from there. So if they popped him in, um, Steve Smith to bat, they could have batted for the first two days, rested the bowlers in any way. Never mind. Let's wrap it up. Um, what was Hall of Fame for today? Uh, Hall of Fame might be Mitchell Marsh having three attempts to start an over and pulling up three times and <laughs> going off with Cramp. After and, you know, one ball. And you always know it's Cramp. And that one ball, by the way, nearly bowled Jack Leach, I think it was. Huge in swinging Yorker. And you always know when it's cramp because they're, they're always hosing themselves. Yep. It's like when a player gets hit in the box. It's like, oh, well, it's crap. We can laugh about yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah. It's not a serious injury, but I he was back what, on soon enough. What I liked was when he was trying to stretch it out, he, like, bent over and just mooned the crowd for about 30 <laughs> seconds. I took a photo of that. When he, was moon, yeah. he got hands on both hamstrings, mooning um, the OCS stand. The, so. the, the Mitchell Marsh moon um, that gets is, is in the Hall of Fame. I think he's player of the day as well. He's player of the day as well, probably, for that swing. Although, you know, well. I've got to say, you know, all the Mitchell Marsh stuff, as you pull up the, 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 the C-bus information, all, all of the... Uh, all of the uh, back and forth about Mitchell Marsh on, on social media and below the line, comments in stories and all the rest of it. It's not unreasonable to criticise the Australian all-rounder not for making runs at number six. It's not unreasonable for him to cop it, but I do feel as though it has been exacerbated somewhat over the years by virtue of the fact that his brother's who his brother is, his surname, what his surname is, and the fact that he's the, the next all-rounder after Shane Watson and England have had a series of all-rounders who've been truly match-winning in the last 30 years, and, yep. and he hasn't been yet. So it's fair to criticise, but I think that he's been graded on a curve, which means that he has kind of been set up to fail. And look, he hasn't done well enough to justify a spot as number six, no question whatsoever. But if he can start doing things like he did today with the ball consistently, that'll change the conversation. Mm. And as I said before, they really, really want him to succeed. A lot harder to do it in Australia than it is in England. In any case, thanks to Seabus Super, uh, they have a 9.23% average annual return for the development investment option over the last 35 years. Much as Mitchell Marsh has had an average annual return for 9.23% of Australia's test matches over that period of time. Um, go get a PDS... A 
from cbussuper.com.au. Remember that past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance as we make cricket references about that every single time we mention it. And uh, that's enough. The Ashes Daily, day one at the Oval, the fifth test. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon will be back with you tomorrow for day two. Till then. You know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.